Hey there, welcome to the show. Well, you know what? I got a great one planned for you this week. Um, this is one of those weeks where I'm going to bring in a professional realtor and we're going to talk about the industry, how you get into it, you know, what you should be looking at doing. And one of the reasons why I have this section every single month is, you know what? I think we need to showcase the people that are leading the industry. So I've got lots to talk about with my guest. And on top of that, um, you know, just a quick, uh, you know, recap of what's happening in the world. You know, GDP did, did not do nearly as well as they thought it would. Does this mean that the Bank of Canada is going to pause September 6th when they have their meeting for the interest rates? Well, here's hoping. You know what, quite frankly, I think that the Bank of Canada needs just to put it in their pants and not take it out and touch that interest rate because it's really important that they realize it takes a little while to figure out how much damage you do. You know, when you get in a car accident, you don't automatically say, hey, it's $4,000. No, they got to put it on the hoist and let the damage be sought after and taken a look at. And in the case of the Bank of Canada, it seems like that knee-jerk reaction. It's almost like they believe we're in a daily, weekly market as opposed to saying, hey, look it, you know what? We've cranked these rates up enough. Why don't we kind of let it sit on the side for a while? Let's see what the actual you know, repercussions are of what we're doing. No, you know what? You keep stepping on the throat of Canadians. You're going to hurt them more than is necessary. And you're not going to get, you're not going to get the buy-in that you think you're going to get. So remember, you know, coming up uh, in uh, next week, make sure you just go away from that hot button, okay? There's no need to put that interest rate up. They're absolutely not going to benefit anybody at all. So, you know, this section of the show, when I do it once a month, is I try to feature a professional realtor, somebody that, you know, has experience, been in the business for a long time, uh, you know, does it full time, has a great knowledge and understanding. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really fortunate to have a special agent in the studio with me today. Um, one of the reasons why, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to say this is the fact that, uh, he's actually one of my mentors and has been in the industry for over 34 years. Um, for those of you that live in Brampton, of course, you're going to recognize the name. You're going to recognize the face. I've got Sandy Kennedy joining me right now. He, uh, Sandy's from Remax Real, uh, Realty Services. And uh, Sandy, great to have you here. Well, thank you, Todd, and thank you for the nice introduction. You know, it's uh, it's great to see you. You know, um, one of the things that you and I've, uh, you know, we've known each other for years, but more importantly, um, you know, taking a look at the industry itself. So, um, Sandy, tell tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your history first, and then we can, you know, then we're going to talk about the business. We have a lot to to unfold today for sure. We're going to talk about all sorts of subjects, but let let's start off with, you know, how did you get into the business? What were you doing before you got into the business? Uh, great question, Todd. I've had a very very fortunate run at it in real estate, but it all had to start somewhere. A uh, poultry farm in rural Prince Edward Island. I grew up in a chicken farm, out of all things, but realized very quickly early in my life that Prince Edward Island wasn't a, a great growth economy, so less opportunities in the long run. Um, ended up going away to New Brunswick, which was a big, big, big trip from Prince Edward Island. Got my engineering degree at University of New Brunswick in 1983, and then went to Dalhousie University in Halifax, which was the epicenter of the east coast of Canada. I got my MBA at Dow and got hired by a little company called Nortel, Northern <laughs> Telecom. For those of you out there that are over 30 years old, <laughs> you would know for the rest of you, maybe not, but it used to be a big uh, telecommunications company based in Brampton. Right, right. Yeah. And uh, that didn't, that didn't end so well for them. That's for sure. So, so Sandy, 
what attracted you to real estate? And maybe you can take us through kind of the first steps of going into the industry. Yeah, yeah. At the time, I thought engineer MBA, Nortel, great fit. In reality, couldn't have been farther from the truth. It wasn't the right fit. I was the square peg in the round hole, knew it quite quickly, and fortunate enough to get out before the fertilizer hit the fan there, so to speak. <laughs> but there was some carnage and then roadkill, if you will, from both in my personal life and my finances from that. At the time, real estate was starting to go up in the 1980s, and those of you who, again, are over 30 years old may remember this, 85, 86, 87, 88, 89, prices were going up, market was uh, hyperactive, and I had bought my first home, and it had already gone up substantially, so there was some interest because I had financially made money, and I'd never worked as a salesman, and several of my friends said, hey, Sandy, I think you could be a great salesman if you chart. No, no, I don't want to be a salesman. Well, I think you should give it a shot. And as we talked about earlier, Todd, the benefit for me was I figured out very quickly that engineer management wasn't the right fit for me, and I knew that. So I'm not going to change the company, so obviously I've got to make the change myself. So I had a really bad day one day at Nortel and basically walked in and said, this is it. Today's my last day. And they said, well, you, 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 you shouldn't do that. You have a job for life. You, 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 you're <laughs> real estate. You, that's commission sales. Oh my gosh, there's no job security there. And the irony is of course, Nortel has ceased to exist, <laughs> is bankrupt. And, and uh, here I am 35 years later, still selling real estate. So, wow. So, um, for those of you that are considering going into real estate, um, I definitely want to make sure that we shed some light onto it. And for those of you that are uh, thinking of going into it part-time, I'm going to deter you from doing so because as most people know, uh, here uh, on Simply Real Estate, you know, my simple podcast, you're always going to hear me talk about professional realtors because I believe in people doing it full-time. So, Sandy, you know, you, you basically left what... Some people would say a career opportunity because, you know, Nortel, big company at the time, of course, you being an engineer, as they said to you, wait a minute, Sandy, this is a, you know, uh, a career lifestyle that you're, you're walking away from, you know, how did you get started in real estate? Can you tell us, you know, some of your process, some of the things you did out of the gate? Yeah, that's a great question. Market has changed since then. The industry has changed since then, but the bottom line is you got to get in front of people quickly. You got to get talking to people. You got to meet with people. You have to find people that both want to buy and or sell homes. So I immediately started advertising right out of the gate and a lot of advertising at the time. i maybe just before I'd met you, but there were other people in the industry like Craig Proctor, like Claire Aslick that were icons at the time. Yep. I went and interviewed them. Right. I bought them lunch. Yeah. And most of them were quite open to open their doors, so to speak, and let me in and tell me what they're doing. And one of the biggest things that came to my mind after I met with them, I said, my gosh, if that person can make that kind of money and be successful, I know I can do it. <laughs> I may have to do it in my own way. It may take me longer. It may, I may make some mistakes. In fact, I know I will make some mistakes, but wow, it's eye-opening that if those people can be as successful as they were at the time, and they were icons at the time, I know Sandy Kennedy, I'll be able to do it with a lot of hard work and, and some creativity. So for those of that, of you listening and you're thinking about going into real estate, so Sandy does eat lunch, just so you know, um, anywhere between one and two, uh, prefers sushi. Um, so just if you're sitting there, if you're going to invite Sandy up for lunch, be prepared. Okay. Uh, I'll tell you, cause it's funny that he mentioned that. Cause that's actually, you know, 
I remember you coming to our Remax office and you were you were talking to a bunch of the agents and I immediately said, okay, no, I I I need I need to to meet this guy. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things, Sandy, that I think that you know you followed, I followed. Uh, one of the big parts about real estate is your name and the awareness of your name. And when you talk about marketing, you know, one of the things that is foremost and present in your marketing is your name. And you know, for all these agents, you know, I, I, I still see some billboards out there. I see advertising. Their name is so small. It's like, but they got this massive picture of themselves. And it's sort of like, so, you know, let's call, you know, they, they say, oh, let's call the brokerage and say, yeah, the guy with the dark hair and the green eyes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know, folks, if you're going to market, you got to think of McDonald's. You got to think of Coca-Cola. You got to think of the people that have their names out there. Sandy, you've done that probably the best in the industry. Well, thank you for the kind words and that I would call you a mentor for me as well. In the business world, we call it branding. If you're not a brand, then you're just an employee. And there's nothing wrong with being an employee. Not everybody can be the chief. There has to be Indians as well. But in real estate, if you want to be the leader, then you have to be the brand. Okay. Branding costs money. Branding takes time. Branding doesn't come cheap. But once you get there, it's very rewarding and very profitable. Am I proud that I'm still with Remax? Of course I am. 35 years later, I still work with Remax and I'm thrilled. I think it's a great company. Is it perfect? Of course not, but it's a great fit. But Sandy Kennedy is the brand. I was just going to say that, you know, because I'll, I'll tell you, and I got to the point where with my marketing, it was the same question. They don't even recognize you're with Remax. You know, after a while, it's like, you know, I'm calling Sandy Kennedy. And then at the time when I was doing it, it was like, you know, when, when I would tell people, yeah, well, I'm with Remax, they go, what? You know, it's like, you're Todd C. Slater. It's like, no, 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 I, I'm I'm also with Remax, you know, great brokerage, great guys, you know. And I, really? Like, like, there was always that question where they'd look at the marketing, then they'd look at me and say, are you sure? Yeah, there's many, many choices for the realtors out there. So if, if someone is listening today and thinking of getting into real estate, as Todd just alluded to, happy to talk to you, happy to meet with you, happy to have five minutes with you on the phone, whatever is necessary. The industry has changed, but it hasn't changed. It's still about working with buyers and sellers, whether that's online or in person or with DocuSign or many other avenues that we can use. Things have changed. Technology has changed clearly but it's still about working with buyers and sellers, getting them to trust you. How do they trust you? By educating them, by helping them, by giving them the next logical step, whatever that might be. And as you and I talked about, Todd, maybe the next step is they decide not to work with Sandy Kennedy or Todd C. Slater for various reasons. That's fine. But at the end of the meeting, they'll be educated or illuminated or will feel stronger because they have more guidance than they had when they came into that meeting. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, you know what, Sandy? I'm going to have you stay put. We're going to go to a quick break, folks. When I come back, I've got more with Sandy Kennedy. And you know what? You don't want to miss out on the rest of the show with this one. Because uh, Sandy, as I said, he's one of my mentors, definitely one of the leaders in the industry for over 34 years. And uh, hey, listen, if you're not following us on Instagram, uh, the Simple Investor One. And as you know, I try to post things that make sense. We talk about real estate, you know, what the government's doing. I am going to talk about that with Sandy as well. 
but uh, so much more. And don't forget, we've got that new release with that special interest rate out right now. Go to thesimpleinvestor.com and when we come back, we've got more. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, um, you know, this part of my show that I do every month, uh, I decided to set up a section where I could interview some of the top uh, personalities in the real estate world. And when we talk about real estate agents, you know, you got to start thinking to yourself, okay, what makes a top realtor? Well, you know, of course, uh, it's somebody that is successful in the industry, able to conduct themselves professionally, make sure that they have the correct ethics in and always looking out for the best interest of their clients. Treating the business like a business is also very important and have, having longevity. You know, I, nothing against somebody that's a superstar of the first year, but I'll tell you, this, this industry will eat you up sometimes and spit you out. And when you talk about somebody with 34 years plus experience, um, my, my guest Sandy Kennedy is by far meets all the criteria and then some, uh, Sandy, just before the break, you and I were talking about, you know, new people coming into the industry and what you, it was like for you when you came new into the industry. And of course you were part of the, you were part of that market when it uh, started turned down a little and you saw it, you know, um, one of the things I try to explain to people is that. You know, today, the market with the increased interest rates, you know, people are saying, oh, we're going to see some some fluctuation in prices. Um, it's not like the 88, 89, 90 market, you know. Uh, we, ha we had a lot of inventory back then. You know, there just wasn't nearly the number of buyers. Today, we have the exact opposite. No inventory and uh, and and lots of buyers. Yeah. Yeah, different market, but markets come and go, and things repeat themselves. History repeats itself, as I said. There's always an opportunity out there for a new agent to come into this business and be very successful at it. However, and that's a big however in caps, many people come in with the wrong expectations that they're going to make big income, that they're going to have all kinds of success right off the bat. I hope they do. And some do, most don't. And my belief is that they got to start off with some very strong fundamentals and marketing is one of them. And a lot of people will say, well, social media, social media. Well, clearly social media is here to stay. It's not going away. It's going sure. to be here, but it's incredibly competitive and very clouded and very, very difficult to make an impression in social media. My belief, I still do conventional marketing. What's conventional marketing? Uh, flyers, notepads, community newspaper advertisement. Oh, well, Sandy, no, no, no one looks at that stuff anymore. I suggest less people look at it, but people still read it, still look at it. If it's in their mailbox and they get their bills in their mailbox, they at least have to look at it for a fraction of a second before they throw out the garbage. Well, that's made its impact. <laughs> and well, well, no one reads the community newspapers anymore. Well, I, I would suggest, I beg to differ with you that less people read it, but some people still do, especially elderly people. And elderly people are the ones that I enjoy dealing with because they're a lot easier to deal with. Sure. <laughs> and, but they read the newspaper to find out what's going on. Maybe they start at the back and read the obituaries first. That's fine. <laughs> but they do go through the newspaper. And anybody that's thinking about buying or selling real estate also often looks at the newspaper. Let's see what Kennedy's got. Let's see who, what, what's for sale in our market, honey. Yeah. You know, it's funny because when you talk about marketing, you know, there's that, that there's that sliding age group about people that are dependent on you know, um, you know, iPads and, and, and phones and everything else, right. From, as you mentioned, from a marketing perspective, it's funny, the people that are, let's say north of 60 years of age, they still read absolutely everything when possible newspapers, as you said, you know, take a look at your, your ads that are coming through Canada post, things like that. 
your 50s are still doing the same thing because they're not quite as dependent on the, the you know the technology the 40s still a little bit it's the 30s that now gravitate towards let's say um you know uh, more social media style you know the 20s of course this is where we see a lot of the you know the twenty-something agents, you know, they're 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 worried about their TikTok video, making sure that they 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 look sharp, you know. Um, and and it's funny. So so you have your TikTok video for your twenties, but then you have your glamour shots for the, for the sixty-year-olds, you know. Yeah. It, it, it's amazing how there's such diversity in the the actual profession of real estate. You know, like anybody, okay, anybody can can get into the industry and. I'm pretty sure over all the years, because I know you are actually a very sought off, uh, sought after speaker. You do a lot of different engagements for different brokerages when they say, look, you know, if we're looking for a guy to pump up, you know, our brokerage, we're going to get Sandy on stage because, you know, he just tells it how it is. Yeah. One of the coolest things about real estate I've always had taught is it doesn't matter what your background is. You could be young, old, single, married, gay, straight religious backgrounds, it doesn't matter because there's always going to be someone that's going to look and say, he or she is just like me. I like him. Yep. There's no, there's no template for being a successful realtor. And in fact, the diversity of our industry shows that it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter your sexual orientation, your religious orientation. It doesn't matter what your previous employment was. There will be always a market out there. Your job is to take what tools you have in your toolbox and work with them and exploit them. Can you be successful at all the things we've mentioned? And Todd just gave you a whole list of things that we could potentially do. The truth is you can't do them all. And this is one of the biggest complaints I have with a lot of new realtors. They try and do a little bit of everything and are ultimately successful at nothing because they've divided their energy, divided their resources, divided their time. My theory is be really good at one or two things and exploit them let the others go. Well, what, what would be the one or two that you pick? Well, that's up to you. I've already said traditional marketing, print advertising, Canada Post, community newspapers. Well, I, I that, that won't work in my area. Okay. Okay. No problem. Pick one or two of the other list of eight or 10 business sources and be exceedingly good. Be the best at those ones and let the others go. Let someone else fight for the scraps that are left over but you focus on what you're best at. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. And I want our listeners, especially the, you know, the potential realtors to think that through. One of the important things also that I think that we should mention, uh, Sandy, is you got to think outside the box. Okay. Because I remember coming into the industry and, you know, in the early nineties and people, people would turn around and say, Hey, you don't wear a suit and tie. And it's like, look, I'm, I was an ex national skier. Yeah. I got a thick neck. I look terrible in a tie. So I used to wear a black mock neck turtleneck, right? And I still wear black all the time. Black sh black pants, black mock neck turtleneck. Everybody saw me, you know, I'd stand up, cross my leg, and it was this pose. And everybody sat there and went, well, you can't do that. You're a realtor. And I said, why can't I do it? It's who I am, right? And so you got to be true to who you are. Don't be somebody you're not, because that's not going to work for you, especially when push comes to shove and there's some pressure on it. But more importantly, you got to think outside the box, right? And... You know, I know you did that a lot because again, you know, you, you would drive a, a van with your name on it. You know, you would turn around and make sure that, you know, you're putting out scratch pads all the time. You made sure that people knew who Sandy Kennedy was and what you did. And I think that that's really important. So, you know, when you, when you, when you think about your advertising folks, you need to think about your name, not your picture. Okay. Because they're not going to remember your picture. 
but they will remember your name. And that's very key, as Sandy had mentioned about branding. And Sandy, you, you, you've done that better than virtually anybody in the industry. Well, thank you for that. It's it, it, Sometimes in the back of my mind, you know, I'm lying in bed three o'clock in the morning awake going, okay, what the heck is going on here? I, the phone's not ringing. <laughs> you know, it's, it, am I doing this wrong or am I doing it right? Well, maybe I'm not doing it either. I'm doing it my way. But I believe that there is lots of opportunities out there. And when the market slows down a little bit like it is right now, Todd, this is when the opportunities present themselves even more. Because the people that were in it part-time or the people that were in it just to make a quick buck, a lot of them are going to drop by the wayside. They're not going to renew their RICO license. They're not going to renew their TREB membership. There'll be less licensed realtors by January of next year, most likely when the dues are due for TREB, TREB being Toronto Real Estate Board. And the RICO dues, which were due three weeks ago, I haven't got the numbers out yet, but I'm willing to bet a bunch of people never renewed. So in a slower market, there are lots of opportunities. Plus... Plus, and this is important, just because people are not buying or selling homes today right now doesn't mean they're not watching. Who's the active agent in our neighborhood, honey? Who's the agent that's doing the most? Because we are going to move in one or two years when little Susie finishes high school next year. Yep. They're absorbing information. They're watching what's happening right now. Granted, the phone may not be ringing. Trust me, the public is still watching you, and they're making a decision right now. Todd, you and I are fortunate enough to like cars. We both drive nice cars. I already know what my next car is going to be. I've already decided. Okay, well, where, where are you going with this, Sandy? The decision's already been made. Walking into the dealership and putting the check on the table is a formality. But 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 the dealership, they don't know that you're going to buy that car. You're right, they don't know, so they haven't seen the result. <laughs> but they are going to get a check from Sandy Kennedy because I'm going to be buying a car from them. Yeah. So... Different, but similar. Yeah, you're, I agree with that. Um, folks, we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, stay put. I've got Sandy Kennedy in the hot seat, and we've got more when we come back. So we'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, I've got Sandy Kennedy with me. And the section that I do with the show every single month is uh, professional agents. And, you know, it was an easy pick for me to have Sandy uh, come in for the show um, with over 34 years of experience, thousands and thousands of units sold. You know, it's pretty understandable why he's been so consistent. And, you know, Sandy, um, we've been talking about, obviously, you know, people making a decision, people doing marketing and everything else. But, you know, the one thing that I have to say, which you have done so impressively over the years is the consistency and in in the world of being a realtor it's almost impossible like you you are doing something that very very few people do in this business it's the consistency you know they always say list to last um you know and i i i i i subscribe to that one and when i first got in the industry and you said look the guy with the listings is the one that controls the market i couldn't agree with you more and if i could even subdivide that a little more todd i would say consistency in the message and consistency in the frequency of the message. So Sandy Kennedy sells homes in Brampton. Sandy Kennedy sells Brampton. Sandy Kennedy is Brampton. Brampton is Sandy Kennedy. <laughs> yeah. The message is the same, but then you have to have the frequency of it to the public so that they're reinforced in their mind what that message is. Okay, so here you go, folks. Do you, so you think I learned that one? The simple investor. We make the world of real estate investment simple. And that has been our message for 14 years. Now, I did take that back from my, from obviously my realtor days, right? And it was always call Todd C. Slater first, call Todd C. Slater first, call Todd C. Slater first. And it was the same thing, just like you said, Sandy, 
It was one of those amazing things. Let's let's move on a little. Um, you know, I think you've been able to help a lot of newbies that are going to come out there, and if not, they're going to buy you a nice sushi lunch. Um, but here's here's the thing. Let's talk about where we sit today. You know, obviously, interest rates. Um, you know, uptick. New meeting that's going to be coming out in in September. You know, potentially. You know, we hope interest rates halt. We hope the Bank of Canada has got the idea that hey, you've done enough to the economy. Where do you see it going? I hope they leave the rates where they are next week when the, the meeting is next Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken, on the, I think, September 6th, if yep. I'm not mistaken. Yep. My criticism of the government is they often hit the hit the nail on the head with a sledgehammer instead of a small nail, a small hammer, excuse me, and they overkill. They go too far. My belief is they've gone far enough now. We've got the message. The economy has slowed down. GDP numbers that just came out were lower than expected. I believe they've done enough already to slow down the economy, but again, I'm not an economist, far from it. <laughs> Sorry if I have a joke for you. <laughs> so when we were in business school doing my MBA, I had taken Economics 101, and they used to say, what we really need is a one-armed economist in the world. I'm like, well, what's a one-armed economist? Well, the economists are always saying, okay, on one arm, on one hand, you got the interest rates, <laughs> and the other hand, you got employment and inflation and everything else. So forget that other arm. We need a one-armed economist that will say, on the other hand, you got... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure if 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 that's going to happen, especially with the the existing Bank of Canada. You know, and and it's interesting though because you know you know a lot of Canadians took on debt um, during the the you know obviously the lockdowns through COVID and everything else with the encouragement from from the Bank of Canada saying we're not going to do anything to rates and when we do we'll give you lots of lots of ample time to make it happen and of course they pulled the wool uh, out from underneath us and and so here we sit today. Um, you know, as most people know, I complain about the government a fair bit and because I, what I think was what they did was very unjust, but I think we have to look at solutions now. And as opposed to blaming the situation, Sandy, I think what we have to do is look at solutions. And part of our solution right now is Canada has, I call it now a shelter crisis. Forget about a housing crisis. We just don't have enough homes, period. You know, we got a huge immigration coming in way higher than the number than we were first quoted, you know, and the fact is, is that, you know, I know that you are a believer in home ownership. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Todd, these people that are coming in, whatever the number might be, but it's, again, I agree with you, it's out of control. A lot of those people end up in GTA Toronto. And again, I think they look at Toronto prices, the 416 area code prices first and go, well, we can't afford that. So they end up in 905 area code, which is Brampton, Mississauga, Markham, Newmarket, et cetera, et cetera. And so we in Brampton find a lot of these quote unquote new Canadians coming to our market. They want home ownership. They truly want to work hard and they want to be homeowners. And this is frustrating because I believe it's a supply side problem. There's not enough supply available for them of affordable housing or housing period that they can buy. And the answer, if there is one, it's a complex answer, but it's got to be on the supply side, I believe, if you're going to continue to let immigration happen at the numbers that it's at. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's staggering. You know, we did, we, we, we have heard the government saying that, you know, they, they propose, you know, that they're going to build 1.5 million homes. And of course that's over a 10 year period, 150 a year extra. And, 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 and the problem is extra is just not enough. Um, you know, we have, we have a mass housing shortage as it sits. We know that we keep seeing the rental prices going up. You know, we've got, as you mentioned, lots of people coming into the greater Toronto area for sure, because that is kind of the hub 
Uh, in fact, the GTA attracts 50% of all immigrants in Canada, just so you know. Or, or more, or more. Or more, yeah. I, I, I'm, being, I'm being generous with that one. But, but if we take a look at even 50%, and you know, a staggering number that was unfolded to us just this past week was the fact that we were looking at 1.6 million actually coming in this year. Uh, 1.6 divided, you know, over 800,000 people in the GTA. To house those people, you need probably 300,000 extra. And obviously, we don't have that in the inventory. So what's going to happen? We're going to increase density. And because everybody needs a roof over their head. You know, it doesn't matter what smartphone you carry. It doesn't matter what tablet you have. Uh, unless it, uh, you know, automatically throws an umbrella over your head. You, you, everybody needs to live somewhere. So, you know, is there a solution in the wings that we're missing? That's a good question. Um, I wish there was an easy answer. I don't think there is, Todd. I think if I could take... Uh, side off of that though, clearly as a real estate investor, or in your case of the simple investor, everybody wants to own real estate. And I'd say beyond that, a lot of them want to own multiple pieces of real estate. So this is where it comes back to something unique that you can offer for them, which is that for a lot of these investors, you give them an alternative that's easy to get into, that's affordable and gives them a chance to be the investor that they want to be. In terms of solving the problem here in Canada and specifically in GTA Toronto, I still believe it's a supply side answer. Um, the demand, unless we shut the doors at the immigration office, which I don't think is on, in, on the cards or in the cards, excuse me, there's always going to be a, a supply side. And so I'm hoping that they will allow builders to build more homes. Does that mean we soften the rules? No, we expedite the process maybe. Does that mean they have to start building further out, um, you know, in Barrie or, you know, the outlying areas that are further away from us? Possibly. But as sure as you and I are sitting here right now, we're <laughs> Mississauga, Brampton, Peel, Oakville, Milton. There's lots of obstacles to building right now. And if you talk to the builders, which I believe are your guests occasionally on the show, I'm sure they share with you, then it's <laughs> the process is not streamlined from their point of view. No, and and part of it is uh, at this stage, like Mississauga doesn't have anything left, so now it's infill, right? So you know the, the project that's been you know slated for square one, you know whack down a good part of square one, use up the parking space, so we can throw you know thousands and thousands of units that get racked and stacked. So our density is going to becoming you know even more dense at this point. And when we talk and listen to the politicians, you know th this is one of the things they're saying. Let, let's make sure that we are close to, you know, subways, trains, you know, uh, er everything, so we can get people around. But in the same breath, I think that the problem is is that you're also you keep playing with the same real estate in the same area. Your your price your price is going up. And and you mentioned something about affordability and. You know, this is this is one of the things that you know I'm going to get your take on because we're going to have to go to a quick break again. Um, but you know, affordability, folks. Um, while we go to break, I want you to just you know get a notepad and and write down the key points that you think when you think of affordability. It, it, it's an, it's something that gets thrown around all the time in the world of real estate by both by politicians, you know, by consumers. If you ask yourself, what is affordable? What does that mean? And, you know, there's some some guidelines to it and the guidelines just are never going to be met. So affordable housing is not something that, unless it's mandated by the government, I think we're going to really struggle to get there. So um, as I said, we're going to have more with Sandy when we come back. And remember, um, go to thesimpleinvestor.com if you want an opportunity. I'm not going to call it affordable housing, but it's definitely affordable. Can you imagine being able to own a investment uh, piece of property 
for only 284900 That's the purchase price, not the down payment. And more importantly, uh, we've got a really special interest rate that we're able to do because we are the developer. Um, and it is definitely in one of the best growing markets uh, in Canada. So uh, go to simpleinvestor.com, take a look and see what you think. And when we come back, I've got more of Sandy Kennedy, so stay put. And welcome back. You know, it's amazing how fast an hour can go by. This is our last segment. Um, my guest this hour joining me, especially uh, as a professional realtor, somebody that's been in the business for over 34 years. I've got Sandy Kennedy with me. Sandy is with Remax Realty Services uh, out of Brampton. But Sandy, you know, just before the break, we were, we were talking about supply, demand, where we sit. You know, one of the things that we talk about uh, very importantly here is the necessity for ownership. But what is affordable housing? What is your definition of it? Wow. That's a tough one, Todd. Um, in Brampton, a lot of the customers that are buying in Brampton right now are buying to their absolute maximum that they can afford as per the bank's rules, because otherwise they couldn't be able to get into the market. So they go to the bank, they get pre-approved to whatever the number is, 500,000, 700,000, 800,000, a million, whatever. And that's when they call me and they say, Sandy, okay, we chose you as our real estate agent. We're pre-approved at the bank for 952,000. We'd like to see homes up to 952,000. And my first thought is, okay, great. Thank you for calling. But okay, so yeah, we, okay. You want to go to the maximum? Yeah. We want to go to the maximum because that's all we can afford and we're going to our maximum. Yeah. Is that affordable? Well, under Canadian laws, you have to put at least 5% down payment down. And a lot of the people that are now buying are coming with five, eight, 10% down payment and 90% financing, which is from my point of view, scary, but uh, that's not how you and I do our purchases, but that's how a lot of these new Canadians have to, because they have feel they have no other choice. Right. And so in their world, if that is affordable, great. But from my point of view, that is not affordable. And then it comes to the next issue, which is a whole separate program on itself is basement apartments, because they've bought to the very maximum of what the bank will finance them, i.e. house poor almost. Right. Then they have to rent out the basement apartment to get disposable money or play money or new car money or whatever the case is. And we have a lot of problems with basement apartments. Do people like basement apartments? I'm not sure they like them, but they're almost a necessity because they're financed so heavily and the purchase price up front. Yeah. And the problem with a lot of basement apartments, um, you know, they're, they're illegal, non-conforming. There's all sorts of issues with them. You know, now I know that, uh, the provincial government, uh, especially a lot of the different cities are now opening up the idea of basement apartments and legalizing them. You know, folks, the one thing I, I will uh, touch on what Sandy mentioned is that when we talk about basement apartments, you know, you need two positions of egress for sure. Um, you have to make sure that you've got some kind of fire retardant around anything that is gas fired, meaning, of course, your furnace and anything else in the basement. You know, keeping it safe is more important than anything else, actually. It, it, it really is. And, you know, Sandy, one of, the, one of the things that, you know, for most people, as you said, um, if it's an illegal basement apartment, uh, if there's a tenant there already, the bank won't even accept the rent as part of the offset for the mortgage payment. Correct. And as I said, we could debate basement apartments for the rest of the year or the rest of the day and not have an, a unifying answer, but they're here to stay, unfortunately, legal or illegal. Well, everybody has their own opinion, but it, I go back to the source. What's causing this? I don't think these people want basement apartments. They're forced into it because they financed to the maximum. They're one paycheck away from, from being a power of sale because there's no leeway in their income. Their income barely covers the mortgage payments. So, so as I said earlier, their basement income is their play money, discretionary income, new car money, vacation money, whatever it is. 
So they feel forced. Is it true that they've been forced? No, not true, but that's their perception. And if that's their perception, then probably it is their truth in their mind. Yeah, that's the reality. Um, so how about your reality? Have you figured out what affordable housing is? Cause you know, there, there, there's two ways to, to determine it. Um, one is of course the government saying, well, we're going to make housing affordable. Now, just so we know, and I'm throwing this out to all our government officials, if you want to turn around and start talking about subsidies, okay. To landlords, when we talk about rental, okay. Cause that's a lot, a lot of what we do talk about here is rental. Um, I need to put some urgency that all compensation should be sent to the landlord direct. Right now, the LTB, uh, 90% of all files in the landlord tenant board are for non-payment of rent. Now, a lot of those that do have some kind of government assistance, the government has mandated that it goes directly to the tenant and then the tenant needs to pay the landlord. That's a little off-putting because what ends up happening is the tenant doesn't intend to pay the landlord and puts it in their pocket. Um, I can tell you case in point that we've actually had one of those situations. Somebody 18 months did not pay, but they received 100% rent compensation from the government and they've been putting it in their pocket, um, finally getting an eviction notice, uh, but it took 18 months to get it. Um, so this is, this is, this is where, you know, when you, when you and I talk about, you know, the ideal scenario, you know, yeah, we want to have, we want to have good players on both sides, both from a tenant's perspective, both from a landlord's perspective, you know, we have bad players in the industry on both sides, but ultimately in the end, how we get through some of this and Sandy, what I, what I see in the future, when we talk about affordability. I think a lot of people just want this massive correction to happen and that's not going to make it affordable because here's the thing, regardless of, you know, there's, there's statements being made that, you know, there's real estate investors that have over leveraged, they're going to have to sell. Okay. So they sell, who do they sell to? And user normally, right? A lot of people don't buy rental properties to, with a tenant in it. They normally tip, buy brand new, make it a rental property. You know, they very rarely turn around. And, and buy a rental property and keep the tenant in place because normally the tenants aren't paying enough rent. So what ends up happening is they go owner occupied. And so folks, careful what you wish for, because if a whole bunch of properties come on the marketplace, what we're going to see is a whole lot of people going owner occupied, which is going to kick a whole lot of tenants out after 60 days notice. And guess what you have? You're going to even make a worse condition for people to be renting. 100%. If there's no easy answers here, and that scenario just brought up is one that I never really thought out in any detail, but it, it's like the old rule of physics for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And there's a classic point of, you know, well, well, we'll, we'll just, we'll get all these investors that barely can afford them to sell the properties. I don't agree. I don't think that's the answer. And obviously your analogy here is correct. The answer in the long run is stability. In my opinion, stability in the marketplace stability in our interest rates, stability in government policy, right or wrong, maybe it'll change over time. Stability gives people confidence to move forward, whether that's new immigrants or existing Canadians that are already here. I think real estate investment is one of our best investments you can make. And I know you agree with this, Todd, but the new Canadians, many of them are feeling that they're forced out, can't afford it, don't want to, or are the rules are against them. I think stability will at least give a level playing field and will give everybody an equal chance. Maybe they won't invest in multiple properties. Maybe they will. Good for them if they do. If they don't, so be it. That's fine. But right now the rules change. The landlord-tenant tribunal, as you know, is, uh, wow, it's interesting. I'll say that. I'm, I'm, I try not to talk politics, but boy, oh boy, it's... Uh, it's broken. Okay. <laughs> I'll say it out. It's okay. broken. <laughs> it, it's broken. And... Are there legitimate cases that have to go there? Yes, but there shouldn't be as, you know, there shouldn't be a 12 month backlog. <laughs> they just shouldn't be. No. Who's at fault? That's irrelevant right now. There shouldn't be a 12 month backlog to deal with issues. There shouldn't be. No, clear and simple. 
you know, here, here's here's my analogy to it all. Um, if you go lease a car, if you don't make, if you don't uh, get a, do your payment, um, they come and take your car. When it comes down to housing, uh, when you intend to you know lease uh, a property, you promise the the landlord you're going to pay, and all of a sudden now you decide not to pay. And some people just do it whimsically. It's not just about their income. They just turn around and say, well, I'm not going to pay you. You can't get me out. And if you do, you'll get me out eight months from now. And that means I get to live free for eight months. To me, that's not the, that's not the, the neighbors and community that we want to be part of. Definitely not. It's not where we want to go. Um, Sandy, so uh, listen, it's been awesome having you here. Can you give us a couple of quick thoughts? Of what, you know, we're coming into the fall, of course. And I think if the Bank of Canada kind of holds pat, I think we'll have a little bit of a fall market. Absolutely. In a nutshell, if you are listening to this uh, podcast today and you're thinking of buying real estate, I think you're going to see 90 days, the next 90 days, September, October, November, December, will be really good buying opportunities. Typically, the market picks up in my world uh, in January, February. It actually picks up about mid-January. So as a buyer, if you're in a situation where you may want to take advantage of this little downturn that's happened, the next 90 days would be key. And this is something I'd be happy to talk to you about. If you're a seller, no problem. Just got to wait a little longer. But February, March, April, the spring market is not that far away. I would not be selling right now unless you really had to, but I would definitely be on the buying side if you're in a situation where you could potentially be a buyer. Yeah. Excellent. Listen, Sandy, great having you here. Thank you so much for joining us today. Greatly appreciate it. Folks, Sandy Kennedy, uh, of course, Sandy is out of Remax Realty Services. You can reach out to him and you know what? Definitely uh, somebody, if you're an agent thinking of coming into the industry, Sandy really would be a great, great interview for you. And um, so that's it. That's a wrap for this week. Uh, I do want to thank uh, you for participating here with the show, Sandy. And more importantly, uh, I want to thank our listeners um, for listening and making us the number one real estate talk show. Um, I can't forget my producer, Omar. Of course, he's made it simple for me this week. And don't forget, you can also follow me on Instagram, the Simple Investor One. And of course, I will be back next Sunday as usual. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010 Toronto.